This episode was originally recorded in January 2022. You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony with another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me, and as with every episode, we're starting off this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Dr. Galeb Abbasi, uh, who's a Systems Director of Pharmacy Informatics at Houston Methodist. Uh, I'm really excited to be speaking with you today, so just for, you know, just for listeners to kind of get to know you a little bit better, can you start off just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself? Certainly. Thank you, Tony, and uh, thank you for having me uh, on your podcast. This is Gail Abbasi, System Director of Pharmacy Informatics at Houston Methodist. Um, I started my career more than 18 years ago, um, and I worked in several settings in pharmacy, including retail and hospital and, uh, and industry. My informatics interest uh, was specifically growing, I would say, uh, you know, working out over the past maybe 15 years when I was working at Henry Ford Hill System in Detroit, Michigan. And from there, I actually became the uh, pharmacy informatics coordinator for that hospital. And then uh, I worked for industry in the research and development for uh, sterile technology development uh, and IV workflow systems. And then I uh, rejoined the hospital after that. My background, my education background include uh, my doctor of pharmacy degree from uh, the University of Iowa and the master's of science in uh, clinical hospital pharmacy from the same school as well as the uh, MBA from the uh, West Texas and um, uh, University. So that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Um, right now, my role with the Houston Methodist Hospital System involves uh, overseeing uh, five departments. Two of them are pharmacy-related. Um, and uh, the technologies we work on, you know, twofold. Uh, uh, some of them are the electronic health record-related technologies, and some of them are the ancillary technologies. Uh, which include the robotics and the um, distribution systems and the infusion pumps and what have you. Uh, we also do a lot of work with uh, innovation, and you know we're we're leading the medicine uh, at this institution in terms of the level of sophistication that we uh, request and work on with our vendors and for the benefit for our patients. And we have a lot of examples to talk through that, but um, you know that's that's me in a nutshell, Tony. That's really cool. That's awesome. So I, I, I heard you, you talk about your education. You had a lot of different facets of education. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, like, wh- what's kind of interesting is the Master's of Science in Clinical Hospital Pharmacy. I haven't heard of that personally. Uh, can you kind of talk about what that degree is? Absolutely. Uh, it was a combined actually program with the PharmD that I took at the University of Iowa. I was given the option to uh, do some sort of research degree. And the clinical hospital pharmacy, basically, it actually gives you the uh, opportunity to work on research during your PharmD. So I was doing a research on the um, anti-epileptic drugs at the time, and uh, we were studying them in the um, uh, pregnancy versus uh, non-pregnancy and how the levels change. So it was uh, an opportunity actually to um, kind of like, you know, uh, involve some of the uh, pharmacological background, you know, uh, that you learn in the pharmacy school and put that into the into the research aspect of things. And of course, you publish a thesis uh, at the end of that. Uh, that was the, the main focus of that, uh, of that uh, degree. Um, I actually encourage people to look into these kind of things when they decide to go to pharmacy school. Uh, you know, combined degrees are really uh, great time savers because you're in the school anyways. So might as well just uh, learn something else while you're doing this. 
Yeah, that, that's really good advice. I, I kind of wish sometimes that when I was in farm school, I did the dual degree. I, I only did the, the farm D and then afterwards, you know, being in the in the practice and it was like, oh, I should have, you know, got, done this uh, other degree. Uh, that That's that's good advice. I, I wanted to also just talk about, you know, your early career, you were working in the community retail side and eventually then you moved into the Henry Ford Health System. And uh, I wanted to just ask you about like, I guess, was it like a like a transitionary period that you made a decision to go into informatics or, you know, was, was that, was there some kind of like um, point that you knew that you, that's what you wanted to do? Absolutely. Actually, that's a good, good question to uh, kind of like a segue on like how this actually, how, how informatics became, you know, one of my interests here. When I first joined Henry Ford Health System, uh, basically I joined because there was a new campus that was about to open in uh, West Bloomfield, um, kind of like the fifth hospital of that system. And I was hired uh, along with other, you know, another, you know, a group of pharmacists to join and just start the, you know, the crew as clinical staff pharmacists over there. Now, because you're opening a new hospital, there are like some requirements you need to uh, take care of. One of the requirements that the director of pharmacy at the time uh, was working on was actually building the uh, drug database for both the carousels that we have in the pharmacy, as well as the pharmacy information system. So, you know, because I was like kind of like in the training mode, sort of speak, because, you know, when you come from retail, uh, you need to, you know, train. You need to train to be a hospital pharmacist. So I spent actually a significant amount of time kind of like, you know, retraining, uh, sort of speak, in the hospital setting in the main hospital uh, at uh, Henry Ford. And during this training period, I was also involved with this you know, database build. So I was like splitting my time, you know, half kind of like training, the other half is building. And that was a couple of months before the hospital even opened. So, uh, you know, fast forward to almost uh, a year from opening, then I was given the opportunity, given my involvement with the pharmacy informatics items, uh, building and maintaining those drug database items and the order sets that we have, is to take that role, which is the pharmacy informatics coordinator. So I didn't test that and took it. And that kind of like changed my trajectory for, from being informally involved in informatics to be formally involved, you know, dealing with vendors on a daily basis. And of course, given me my trajectory of going my career. But that was like the, the switch that I've done. I spent almost like four years in retail before making that decision. And um, it took a while because, you know, um, sometimes you need to just take some time and just think about like, you know, what would be the best option for you. But then I was, uh, uh, at the end of the day, convinced that hospital is where I want to be. And that's where I can contribute the best for the patient care. That's really cool. So, you know, your education uh, in, in your MBA and also your MS, like how did that kind of help you with your transition to the hospital side? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, from a time perspective, by the way, um, the, uh, the PharmD and Masters happened before the hospital. The MBA happened, I would say, maybe like maybe six years after being in the hospital, kind of like came late in the game. But, uh, you know, being a PharmD and, uh, you know, MS clinical pharmacy graduate, basically you would apply, you know, the science directly onto patient care. You apply it in pharmacokinetics, you apply it in pharmacodynamics, uh, you know the uh, clinical case presentations, you know, you know, when you attend four rounds. Uh, being in informatics is actually a different even advantage because now you go and you apply that clinical knowledge into clinical decision support systems that will benefit your patients from the back end. Uh, knowing, for example, that, you know, uh, what you see during your rounds 
and um, understanding your, you know, the challenges of your um, end users, uh, providers, you know, whether they're like pharmacists or physicians or nurses. And then you go back and think about this and think about, okay, um, what do I need to do now to make what I experience today better? And uh, for a good chunk of my career, as a matter of fact, I practice in the emergency department. So that also gave me another angle of how can you make the life of these people easier by the pharmacy informatics uh, science? So I would say, you know, having education and practice uh, before being involved in informatics helped me a lot into shaping that experience because now you just go in full force into knowing how to make you know, those systems better, how to optimize your patient care uh, to the max potential here. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And uh, I, I do want to like eventually move towards talking about your role today. But, you know, there's there's still some part of your uh, experience I do want to talk about, too. And uh, one of them was about your time after Henry Ford and you were able to be in the industry side a little bit. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Certainly. And uh, I was recruited at the time by uh, by industry to move uh, out of state uh, to go and join the research and development. You know, my involvement at the time was a continuation to the informatics role. Instead of focusing on the um, on the um, you know patient care from a technological standpoint, by as an end user, you know, I became like a, an influencer from upstream. And my involvement at the time was with you know improving and introducing uh, new ideas in the sterile compounding uh, technology uh, arena. And a specific system we worked on was an IV workflow system that is very well known uh, in the country, a uh, very known brand. And as a matter of fact, I worked with a, with a great group of individuals, pharmacists and engineers, who uh, together we actually end up uh, introducing uh, new algorithms, end up being a new invention, to be honest with you, uh, Tony. Um, and for that, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm humbly you know, holding a, you know, three patents um, in, on that aspect, um, on sterile technologies uh, with the uh, with the U.S. Department of Trade, and those those are like great you know years that we've spent over the over a year over there, introducing those new algorithms to ensure that you know the sterile compounding process for patients is the safest you know process possible. The algorithms include documenting and actually calculating the beyond use dating for those uh, for the uh, sterile products that you're preparing, queuing and actually prioritizing the workload for your users and also adding the steps of finding the final container designation. Because when you do sterile compounding, um, you actually, in a lot of cases, you're not only injecting like a, a vial content into a, um, a filled bag, let's say you're not injecting like cefazolin and normal saline all the time. In many cases, you end up using an empty bag for this stuff. Depends on the on the volume that you're uh, you're actually going to be preparing. If it's a small volume, we're probably going to be maybe creating like a uh, an a la carte empty bag and inject some you know carrier solvent in it and the medication. So the logic of making that happen is what we end up like injecting into that IV workflow system uh, called the final container uh, logic. Basically, the system based on that algorithm is going to tell you whether to use the original container or to use a brand new container based on several criteria, including the volume, of course. So that was my, you know, my experience with, you know, with the industry, uh, which I consider like continuation uh, for my work in the informatics uh, field. And that's another area I would encourage actually people to, uh, to pursue. You know, working in the industry is actually very uh, rewarding when it comes to, you know, the research and development, when it comes to inventing new technologies that end up, 
you know, benefiting your patients, not only like at the hospital level, but, you know, worldwide. Yeah, that's that's always like really interesting for me to hear that because if you're working in industry, your product will be used by a wide variety of like different organizations. And, you know, like it's it's always like hard for me to wrap my brain around like how can, you know, companies work on a product and be able to kind of like get the input and understand that like all the different workflows out there that can be affected by this product and, um, you know, having it, you know, what's the best way for everyone to to use this product, right? So yeah, like how was that process for you? Like, was there was there a way where you were able to get input from different clients or was there beta testing involved? Like, I, I'm just always interested about that. Absolutely, absolutely. The idea, you know, behind, uh, so when you work with industry, Tony, the idea is that we don't work in vacuum. The idea is that, you know, you need to seek the end user's perspective. And that's where those advisory boards come and play. That's where your relationship with, you know, um, the other like hospitals, uh, pharmacists in the hospitals is important because then you seek that feedback. Um, I mean, we can, you know, invent any, anything we want in, in the industry, but if it's not going to make any sense for the clinician, then it doesn't have any value. So that's where... That's where the uh, inclusion of the end user perspective is very important. Now, granted, though, when you work in the industry in that role, you got to have some sort of like hospital experience before you join industry. And I think that's maybe where um, where actually, uh, you know, the industry was looking to recruit people with that sort of experience, because you need also to bring that experience with you to think about those products that will be beneficial for the uh, end user and for the uh, clinician. But when you do that too, you still need to seek, you know, uh, advice from those clinicians nationwide, maybe globally, uh, to get input into what you're trying to invent. Because at the end of the day, you need to work with use cases and those use cases need to be valid. The, the main question that we keep asking ourselves uh, in industry is, okay, you have a great idea and we have great ideas, you know, on the table at some time. But the question is like, what is the problem that you're trying to solve? Because if there is no problem that you're trying to solve, there's no point in having that whole idea. Uh, in other words, we're trying, we were always trying to be very targeted and seeking those, um, you know, uh, feedback items from end users. So when you inject an item in the practice, that you're actually putting something that will end up having uh, sensible benefits. That's a really good point. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like if there's no problem to solve, right, then there's no point in making a product for that problem. And, you know, this kind of goes a little bit towards where you're at today. Now you're back into the healthcare organization hospital space as a systems director for pharmacy informatics. And uh, I guess like for now, uh, what is your day-to-day operations like in your role? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and uh, thank you for the question. I mean, right now, my role is, you know, um, split between, I would say, administrative, you know, basically working daily with, uh, you know, contracts and vendors and initiatives and uh, new ideas that we need to implement, evaluating, of course, those those ideas, sitting with uh, our end users. In this case, we're talking about, like, you know, the director and above, where you sit down, just listen to people and, um, you know, um, understand the needs that they're having assist them, of course, into their day-to-day operations from an informatics standpoint and enable the resources as much as possible to make this stuff happen. So from an administrative standpoint, my, my, my job here is to ensure that, you know, the, uh, the work is taken care of, the resources are, are available, uh, the money is available, you know, to take care of, you know, these, uh, you know, initiatives. 
ensuring that you know the uh, you know all the systems are up and running by ensuring that you know the resources to support these systems are there that the infrastructure that supports is up to date um, and the like and then the other part that i also work on is the innovation which is you know kind of like you know hounding for new technologies that not necessarily new only but new and beneficial for us uh, because i'm concerned mostly about technologies that would actually make a difference in our case more than just new technologies because they're cool and new i'm always looking for technologies that actually would help us advance the healthcare forward and that's what makes us actually leading uh, medicine this uh, in this institution so my work with innovation goes around several aspects and you know we can give examples of course but typically when a new technology uh, shows up or if we invent a new technology then what we end up doing is trying to pilot it out in the system. So my job is also to pick the right locations for the pilot. And, uh, you know, basically working with the uh, leaders in charge of these areas, the job includes, of course, like having a collaboration with those leaders, with those leaders to, you know, uh, make sure that everyone's understanding the goals of what we're trying to achieve. And then putting a timeline on the perspective, as well as the, uh, you know, the goals of what we're trying to achieve over here. And then, of course, propagating that as needed, depending on the results. The other aspect that I work on here is that I'm also uh, having the role of a director of the pharmacy informatics residency as the residency program director. It's a PGY1, PGY2 residency in informatics. And uh, we started this journey in uh, about like two years ago. Um, so our first inaugural resident is about to graduate in a couple of months. And we're about to actually start the interviews for the uh, resident who's going to join us. Uh, next year and you know basically that that's another like uh, aspect i you know take care of which is the pharmacy education every once in a while i get asked to attend to certain colleges and uh, and meetings to give people like a uh, you know uh, some education about pharmacy informatics and, and the like so that's that's in general what i do today on a day-to-day basis tony that's really cool. So I, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording the podcast, but can you kind of share a little bit about one of your innovation projects that you were working on? Certainly. Yeah. One of the projects that I think uh, you know we're very proud of was the incorporating the voice activated technologies into the workflow. And one of the famous ones, of course, as everyone knows, um, is the uh, Amazon Echo Dot device that's uh, kind of like maybe available in almost like every household these days, I guess. So what we end up doing is uh, taking that device and that technology and creating a pharmacy skill out of that. And I remember that we were the only clinical group using that at the time for clinical reasons, because normally like when you have these devices in a hospital setting, the mostly the main concern or the main goal would be to enable that for entertainment for the patients, to improve the patient experience in general. And then after that, you start looking into like the clinical applications of these devices. So we were one of the first groups to use that device for clinical reasons. The algorithm that we created in-house over here goes around enabling the patient to ask the device questions. And we call these like Alexa devices. And the patient would ask the device a question about uh, a specific drug and you know it's called pharmacy skill so you know the patient is going to start the conversation by you know alexa open pharmacy something like that and then the device can respond by saying uh, what can how can i help you today or name which medication you'd like to ask about and the patient is going to say the name of the medication and then the conversation goes on between the device and the patient to pinpoint the question you know what medication what are you trying to know about the medication like what specifically information, side effects, what have you. 
And then the entire conversation, when it's done, is sent by email to a pharmacist. And we use like a, an email uh, shared mailbox. And actually, we're now in the process of trying to integrate that to make it uh, integratable with the electronic health record. So we're trying to link the conversation to a patient chart, actually, to make it more efficient. But that's still like work in progress. But right now, when it goes to, the, to an email or shared mailbox, the pharmacist, you know, who's monitoring that mailbox is going to view that message that's coming along. That pharmacist is going to actually look into the patient's chart. And after reviewing the chart and reviewing the question, the pharmacist calls the patient back on the Alexa device. So basically, you call the device to the room and you speak to the patient and you answer the question based on the chart that you reviewed. So it's going to be a tailored question. And that actually satisfies the patients big time because, number one, you connected the patient directly to their pharmacist in-house, and then you created that open line of communication between both the pharmacist and the patient. So, you know, I remember like one time even a patient that we called, you know, for uh, or the patient called, you know, for, for, uh, for um, some information. And when I'm calling that patient, we discovered that patient was actually interested into being discharged on a meds to bits program. So which was a great benefit because at that point, you know, not only we answer the question, but we also ensure the patient is adherent to their medications before they get discharged by making the prescription available at the bedside. So you can see like, you know, how these how these technologies kind of like a, you know, kind of like a domino effect, you know, like, you know, one benefit follows the other kind of. But this is a good example of a technology that we proudly implemented here at uh, Houston Methodist. Yeah, that, that sounds really cool. I, I guess I have a few questions about how that kind of came about. And uh, I guess like one of my first questions is like for the actual programming of the algorithm, uh, was it somebody that was an informatics pharmacist doing that? Or was it uh, someone that is a kind of like an IT uh, specialist that worked with the pharmacy side? Absolutely. Um, so uh, a pharmacy informaticist, a pharmacist informaticist, actually, uh, end up like basically creating the algorithm. So it was, you know, mainly like two of us, two, two of the pharmacists, um, two of us created the algorithm and tweaked it. And then we handed it over to a third party company that actually does the programming to us, because in order to manage the devices, uh, you need to have a code for these and uh, those codes are limited to certain vendors. So we have a specific vendor who we worked with to incorporate those codes per our advice, and they built it in. But that vendor acts under the supervision and advice of an informaticist, pharmacist in this case, who is actually who created the algorithm. And we're actually kind of like trying the uh, in the meanwhile to learn that skill ourselves because uh, we need to manage those devices on our own at some point. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's the uh, sequence of responsibilities, I would say, of uh, like how this got built. I see, I see. So a little bit upstream of that is the build, building of the algorithm and that logic, logic tree. Uh, so I guess for that part, was it just the informatics pharmacist or was there like process of meetings and discussions with other people involved? Like how did that kind of work? Absolutely. And yes, it was a series of questions. I mean, series of meetings uh, that actually we did, I think, once once a week. And then we changed it to once every two weeks because of the kind of like the rhythm that we've been through. But typically you would meet with, you know, the hospital leadership. You would meet with, uh, in our case, we met with our innovation center all the time. And also, you know, whenever you try to deploy this technology, Tony, uh, you need to have also your nursing colleague engagement. Because at the end of the day, you know, the person who's going to promote this technology to your patient 
is not only the pharmacist, you know, it's kind of like a bunch of individuals who are going to be promoting these kind of like initiatives to the patient. And that's where you engage your nursing, your guest relations uh, professionals, uh, in addition to your pharmacists and, and analysts. So it's kind of like a group work. Plus, you know, uh, there are like some logistical items that you need to work through. So for example, the placement of these devices, they created a challenge for us at the beginning because certain rooms do have like high uh, ventilation rates and that kind of creates like additional like noise for the devices. So the place or area where you place the devices will make a difference here because otherwise, you know, the patient may not hear the device, you may not hear the patient, you just want to create that sweet spot where this can be placed. And that's where your facility, you know, your facility professionals will come and play and will jump on the uh, call with you as well because they are going to be involved in, you know, how to, you know, logistically place those devices as close as possible to the patient, but at the same time not to interfere like with the uh, care process delivered to that patient. So it has been, I would say, a group effort, um, including several um, and multidisciplinary team members. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't even think about the ambient noise issue too. Yeah, that's that's really cool because, you know, implementing these new technologies, you you kind of just see these issues as you're doing them. So it, it's it's cool to to be able to kind of handle that in a multidisciplinary way. What, one of the other things I, I think um, maybe if you could share to the listeners a little bit about like the HIPAA compliance uh, with Alexa. Yeah, certainly. Um, and those, you know, those devices are, you know, uh, encrypted. So uh, those ones are uh, in-house use only. So nothing uh, leaves the organization. Basically, that, that's what makes the Alexa in the hospital different from the Alexa in the house. Because, you know, the, the house ones, you can connect them to your phones. You can, you, know, you can talk to them from anywhere in the world. The ones in the hospital do have certain regulations. And there's some encryption going on with these. Um, as a matter of fact, that callback I was talking about when the pharmacist actually calls the patient, there's a very uh, specific PIN number that a pharmacist will need to dial to get to the to that device. So that PIN number is not shared with anyone. And that's why like no one else can even call that patient or the patient can call anyone else. So it's a, it's a very closed tunnel of communication uh, that we created for those devices. And that's merely, you know, to ensure that, you know, the HIPAA regulations are in play and in full action. Uh, but that's what makes those devices different from the outside and home devices. I see. I see. Awesome. Well, you know, thanks for sharing all that. And uh, I guess like one of the questions I always ask about for, for all the guests is that if people had any interest in, you know, getting into this field or getting into your specific role, maybe like what kind of advice can you give them? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the first advice I, I mean, I, I tell people is, you know, just basically know, know your goals, know, know what you're looking for and have that, have the primary goal to be, you know, ensuring patient safety and maximizing patient safety. If you put those lenses in front of your eyes, then, you know, everything else comes uh, becomes easier, I would say. Now, practically, if you want to become an informaticist and if you want to become and grow into your pharmacy, into pharmacy leadership, then there are a couple of venues that people can do. The obvious venue is, of course, doing a pharmacy informatics residency uh, because you get formal training, uh, you, you get your hands wet, in all aspects of the uh, of the profession, and you get exposed to a lot of systems and and people that you can learn from. That that's the that's kind of like the standard uh, route that kind of like evolved over the past maybe 10 to 15 years when the pharmacy informatics residencies started to grow uh, larger. Now the other route that lots of people actually took throughout their career 
is project involvement. So if you are looking to be involved in the pharmacy informatics, get involved in projects. If you are a pharmacist, get involved with projects in your institution. Try to be uh, as proactive as possible when these come up because you never know when the opportunity is going to be coming when someone's going to offer you to join their team as maybe like an informaticist, pharmacist, uh, level one, so to speak. Also, you know, if you are, let's say, a student, then make sure you get involved in, um, you know, those departments uh, of pharmacy. And if they have like any projects that you can volunteer your time to work on, please do, because that also gives the impression that you might be a great candidate for the future, whether for residency or for each actual like work in informatics to be done. But all in all, I mean, I encourage people to look into the informatics field as a niche and a great area to practice in. This field is going to grow over time, and no questions asked. Every, everything is moving towards more technologically advanced patient care. Pharmacy practice right now is actually even more, moving more to be uh, more on the mobile side. Even like uh, patient care itself, what used to be known as standard care that you get in, in a hospital is now being done through like telemedicine very easily. And lots of people like do this, like even from the comfort of their home. It's going to be like in no time where the pharmacy practice is going to also take the same route and become more heavily reliant on technologies to advance to the next level. Highly recommend that people seek that uh, area and uh, find venues. And I'm, I'm, I'm available always if anyone wants to reach out and ask me more questions. Awesome. And, you know, just going back a little bit on the residency, and you, I also uh, recall you say, stated that you've lectured at some of the pharmacy schools as well. I guess from your own kind of personal perspective, what do you uh, want to instill in your students and residents usually? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll just tell you one word, excitement, basically. Um, it, I mean, I would say it was never like one single time that I talked with residents or students or even interested pharmacists that actually people just don't get excited about new ideas and they actually provide new ideas to you uh, because the, the what, what instills into these uh, recipients is you know there's like a lot of missing about like how to optimize patient care over here and I can do this I can contribute to this and kind of like it hits home for lots of uh, individuals because you know you're you're like using your mobile device on a daily basis perhaps uh, you interact with this for your own health maybe whether you're using this to track your prescriptions or to do like telemedicine or to check on your labs or what have you. So when when you talk to people about influencing pharmacy practice by technology, it immediately hits home that this is something that I personally benefit from. So why don't I just use that knowledge I have already from an end user perspective and make it actually a super user perspective, you know, super user like experience and kind of like, you know, deal with this from upstream and benefit uh, the world in that sense. The other thing also that instills for people is the uh, marketplace because because of its uh, being a niche area, right now the, uh, the marketplace is in big favor of pharmacy informatics. And I'll tell you like, you know, there aren't too many informatics residencies uh, programs across the country. I think they're like either like 20 or 21. Uh, not so many offer the two-year experience as ours. I think they're like maybe six total. So, you know, you, you immediately give the impression for people that, you know, this is like a very specialized area and, you know, it doesn't have, I would say, too, too much competition. And, you know, I encourage people to take it anytime because it's considered like the road uh, less driven. And in many cases, the road less driven is probably like the best route for some to take. So that's, that's what I find instilling in lots of the recipients there, Tony. 
Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And what's a, you know, what's the best way that people can reach you at if they have any further questions? Certainly. I mean, uh, uh, they can reach uh, to me by my LinkedIn profile. Um, just look, please, for Galib Abbasi. I'm on LinkedIn. Please feel free to connect with me. Um, uh, I'll be open there and uh, you can connect with me directly. You can see uh, all kinds of work that we're working on live over there. You can also reach out to me by email. You know, my email is uh, G-A-A-B-B-A-S-I at HoustonMethodist.org. Um, and either way is fine with me. Just, uh, you know, feel free to get there. And uh, you can look me up even on the Houston Methodist uh, webpage uh, and on ASHP as well. Awesome. So I'll be putting the contact information into the show notes for anyone who's uh, interested in reaching out. But to be respectful of your time, thank you so much again for being on the podcast today, just sharing, you know, everything that you're doing and um, all the all the cool projects that you've had. My pleasure, Tony, and pleasure speaking to you and your audience today. Right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select Group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy me and remember technology is a tool patient care is the goal